0: Everybody, it's Phil Russo here, and um, I'm in the delightful position of having both Brett and Martin join us for this podcast. Li- uh, not live, in person, <laughs> uh, in live. person. Oh, really? well, we are live, yes, in person uh, at a hotel in
1: Melbourne. So, welcome, man and Brett. Yeah. Actually it was one of the better introductions you've done. It was, yeah. I might even
2: have to edit that one, but I might have to. But i mean it's nice to be face to face again, gentlemen. It's been after some time. So the least
1: long time.
0: I'm guessing three years for you, man, that I've seen you. Yep. 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 And
2: Mm. Brent. Yeah.
1: Martin and I yeah, this well, this this trip, yeah, it's been about a year ago. About Two two and a half, I think it's been. Two and a half, I suppose, yeah.
2: Okay. I think you said you'd seen me before you'd see yeah at one, one point reason, I think
1: yeah. I saw you before Phil or something yeah, I mean, we're, I we're reminiscing, reminiscing. yes
2: uh, yeah. and we've only drunk one sip of our beer so far because we're in bar uh, which is always a good place for a discussion and yeah we thought we'd have a little chat and um, various things you could talk about what, what we've been up to for the last three years but then everyone will be asleep so some topic of discussion of the road shows, the Ossipsea road shows we've been on this week has been about experts and how we are experts and we thought mm. we'd mull over are we experts so mm. I'll kick off you
1: Brett are you an expert well that's a simple answer I, I think no <laughs> I think that um, that uh, the more and more as time goes on the more uncomfortable I am with the concept of being called an expert and um, part of that's probably the more I know the more I realise how much I don't know and yeah. um, but I think the term gets used a bit loosely um, and, and flippantly, and people could call themselves an expert perhaps after being doing a short course or, or being in a job for three months or um, reading something on Twitter. Um, and, and so I think that's, um, that's a bit of a, a challenge.
0: Yeah. Phil, your view? Well, um, I'd like to be an expert in test cricket, but um, that's not <laughs> going to happen. And well, you're I can't see enough good, good at <laughs> test cricket. Well, it's changing. Um, and if you're a Melbournean like I am, that you know that everybody's an expert in epidemiology uh, with our <laughs> lockdowns, and everybody's an expert on, um, on mask wearing and hand hygiene. So I, I agree. I think uh, I'm certainly not an expert. And I think the term expert to me brings with it connotations of somebody who doesn't change their mind um, yeah. with, with the science and I think um, I don't want to be labelled like that and I think what we should be thinking about is how expert we are with our thinking about things and how we approach things rather than being an expert in a topic um, because my, my observations over the past couple of years have been the experts have often been wrong as, as have I have um, and uh, we need to, and I certainly don't consider myself an expert on infection prevention and control.
2: I mean, I I think we have expertise, Um, but Peter a, Zimmerman made a great comment yesterday. I hadn't heard before that you can be in infection prevention or in any specialty for 20 years, but if you repeat the same year 20 times, you actually don't progress very much. Mm. And you do have to continue learning. I can't remember who she said said that. Yeah,
1: she said Deb Macbeth, I think. Okay. I think it was Deb Macbeth. Gonna, I that. really like
2: that. Because in this game, if you're not learning stuff, I think the year I don't learn something is when I should be... Da- I would consider myself to be dangerous and I should get out. Because there's all, always something new. But I also come from Nera where there was one infection prevention nurse, or infection control nurse, as we were called, in an organisation... And you did a course, and suddenly you became the expert, and you had to know about everything and we would go and visit the laundry and we would look at ventilation but i'm not sure how a deep an understanding we got. I think we got enough to get through mm. but I think the last couple of years has shown us that actually there's people far more expert in these specific fields mm. and i I now'm sort of starting to think of myself as instead of being you know in a hospital if I go back to medical training when I was lad as it were you have a general surgeon who does anything mm. with a knife and P- Professor David Leaper who I've done work with in the UK written surgical site infection guidelines tells me tells of when he was a junior registrar if he was on call for his hospital he would do everything from deliver babies fix fractures repair people's guts you know it mm. was the surgeon and mm. they were very general and general medicine was the thing that I trained mm. as well And now you come into a hospital and there's renal medicine and there's cardiac medicine and there's endocrinology and the specialism Mm. is really there. Mm. To the extent you have orthopedic surgeons who specialize in one joint. Mm. Now, we are generalists, I think. And Mm. so I'm almost thinking myself as a sort of a GP now, I have a broad understanding of a lot of principles, mm. but actually I need to know who to go to to get the really specialist expertise to fix a specific mm. problem. So if I've got air handling problems, I'm going to go to somebody who's got ventilation experience, mm. maybe an engineer. Mm. You know, I've listened to a lot of people from engineering backgrounds over the pandemic, and I would maybe be accessing them and thinking, instead of thinking, yeah, I know everything about that, because yeah. clearly I don't.
1: Yeah, look, a GP is a good analogy because, you know, they're sort of a coordinator... Uh, the first person you go to, um, person who tries to coordinate your care, hopefully, and put the juggle, put the put the puzzle together, do what they can do, and arrange different areas and do that really well, mind you. Um, and that's I reckon that's a pretty good analogy for uh, an upseek. Now that said, there are in in our field of infection prevention and control, there are. Um, people who, I would say, are experts within their field of yeah. infection prevention and control. So there'll be people who have gone into, um, you know, have a really in-depth understanding of reprocessing, for example, or uh, cleaning or sterilization or uh, intravascular device management or whatever it might be, um, surveillance or, 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 you know. So I think... Um, in that instance as you can say yeah you know I'm an infection control person with a real expert expertise in this area um or and I guess that's probably where I see myself more as as someone who's yeah worked in a whole range of different settings and areas I haven't done you know that for a while but Mm. I guess I have in recent times with COVID but um but uh yeah there's a real interest in passion and understanding a better understanding in certain areas than others and I'll be the first one to be um Put my hand up. You know, when Phil and I were working in, in CQV, one great GQV? thing, yeah, hotel quarantine Victoria. Uh, yeah. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we were able to, to access there, because we were in a really privileged position to probably get most things that we actually wanted and asked for, was um, we, we could pull in that expertise, even even if that meant more money. Uh, it was going a cost more money because you know we needed experts in ventilation, um, in in engineering. Um, and and it worked we needed expert in education really in, in our infection control team you know phil's an education i'm in education we've taught we do do postgrad, do undergrad education you know we're not too bad in education we understand the principles of it, but really needed someone who could design and put together something for a boot, boot, boutique bespoke time, workforce yeah. and uh and that's a different skill set we got the content and we've got some skills in that but you know someone to deliver it so hmm. um yeah, we were lucky in that sense, but I think that's one thing that probably helped us in that role is being surrounded by people we could call upon. That's true. That's true. And uh, probably most people who work in the healthcare centre don't have the resources
2: no. available no, that
0: uh, we had at our fingertips. So I, I, I like the idea of a generalist infection prevention or infection. Um, so you call yourself a GIP then,
1: Martin, yeah, in well, that sense. I'm glad you're not putting that. in yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. oh, would you have different levels of being a GIP? So would you say <laughs> well, no, yeah. a trainee GIP, a registrar? <laughs> Our gift.
2: I think we get away from the gift <laughs> uh, No, I mean, actually, sort of, we do that now within banding. Yeah. Certainly, in the in the NHS, you join as a band five or band mm. six, infection prevention nurse, and then work mm. your way up. But often that goes on experience and not necessarily specific skills in a specific area. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes I need to change people's behaviour. Well, and I've, I've read lots of papers mm. about behaviour, but I'm not a behaviour specialist, and maybe mm. I would you know maybe want to access somebody with behavioral change experience and they may work in a different department but actually there's plenty mm. of areas within hospital that need to change behavior you mm. know in, in various different interventions that are not related to infection prevention so why why are there no hospital behavioralists mm. who could yeah. be specialists that we could draw on i've never heard of that sort of role no
1: well yeah. we need we, i think there's a real need for behavioral science incorporated into healthcare generally you know not, not just infection prevention. A lot of things that people do and problems we face in healthcare are about individual choices people make, the motivation that they have, um, and, and a lot of that's about behaviour. And uh, mm. I think I think go on. Well,
0: and that, that leads into implementation science too. Mm. So I think there's a lot of work And that's really relevant for a lot of infection control prevention uh, because the interventions require behavioural changes. And so you you need, if it works in one setting, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate and work in another setting. So you need to understand the content of the settings, the environment that you're putting the intervention into and uh, devise an implementation plan that's appropriate for that setting.
1: Now, on this concept of being generalist and infection control (laughs) professionals broadly as a profession, standards, right? So, um, I think I think we're in need of practice standards that sort of help would help guide that along its path, so that there's a better pathway for people to come into this area, understanding where that might fit and where they need to develop, where they can grow um, and, and perhaps that could then be used to help the employment side where we're trying to think about who's the best person for these for different jobs uh, that actually matches up we're not expecting Joe bloggs who was Tissue viability nurse one week to be infection control expert the
2: next. Oh, that's Um, described my career perfectly. That's exactly where I was (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's the blogs. Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) But I think if
0: if there's one lesson, I mean, there's millions of lessons we can take away, but if there's one, I think for infection prevention, Teams is that they need to consult with other experts. They need to have the, you know, the occupational hygienists. They need to have the behavioural people. They need to have the ventilation e- engineers. They need to be able to consult with all all those groups. And that's where I like this idea of being the generalist. So you get a, confronted with a problem and an issue, and you are the one who funds that uh, um, that issue to the right area to get the, the correct advice. Uh, and you know, traditionally, fish control teams have just not just but have been nurses yeah uh, and um, uh, you know we now need to open up that horizon and um,
2: broaden the skill and expertise of mm. each of the infection control teams I mean we've got quite a few clinical scientists working now in infection and control they were working in micro labs a number of them and their focus has changed, partly because micro has changed, but also actually they, they've developed an interest in IPC. And there's some really excellent ones actually leading infection prevention teams in the yeah. UK, in, including being the infection control doctor. And they bring a different expertise and a different set of thought processes. So I think the two married together extremely well. But, you know, constantly consulting other people, do you think people could think, oh, actually, they don't know what they're doing? You know, they're, they're not the expert that we thought they were because he's having to talk to somebody else or he's having to get a bit of advice from there. Yeah. Do you know or do you think there's a fear of that, do you think? Uh, from the infection preventionist's point yeah. of view, yeah, I, I, there possibly is
0: and they don't, um, um, I think it's probably reasonable to say that historically there's been a bit of a, a turf war. Um, this is my area. Um, this is, you know, um, this is what I know best and you should listen to me. Um, but, it hasn't you know, worked though, has it? It hasn't worked no. and, you know, we well, say it, it but I don't know if no. we always walk the talk but infection prevention is everybody's business and you know we need to get over it ourselves and understand that um, sometimes people other people may have better knowledge of certain situations than, than we do.
1: And it's okay to be wrong because oh, yeah. being a being yeah. a so-called expert is about being able to admit we're wrong mm-hmm. and uh, and sometimes you're not always wrong you might be sometimes we are completely wrong <laughs> um, but there are other times we're wrong in the context of time and what we thought six months ago was a certain thing may not be uh, may not because evidence base has changed and we've got the ability to be able to roll with that Um, and I reckon there's a lot more credibility for people who who change their views because you're actually going to be more going to them and saying what do you think about this and someone said, well I thought this last week but actually the new evidence is this I'd almost rather that um, if I was going to someone um, because they're not stuck in something of 30 years ago
2: actually it's quite interesting because often we're asking other people to change their practice Mm. you know we see line infections are high and we say okay maybe you need to think about doing this particular Mm. intervention so we're asking them to change what they do that sometimes we're potentially a bit reluctant to change what we do Mm. even in in spite of evidence because people don't like to see or be perceived to be indecisive or wrong and that that is sometimes when you put yourself in that position telling people what to do all the time rather Mm. than working with them there's a potential for that I
1: think Mm. We do have a problem doing this podcast, though. No. We have a problem in that the Martins looked down at his thing, thinking we have a problem. It's not recording. No, no, the battery's still
2: running. Yeah, no, no, yeah
1: battery's still going. Now we have a problem because we haven't actually got one of the diverse opinion to ours on this. We're all in agreement. Yeah. That um, perhaps we shouldn't be calling ourselves experts. We're all that we haven't actually got someone who's here talking and saying actually no, with the counter view. and, and it'd be interesting to see if, we, if we, you know, people who are listening will have different views, and that's completely fine. You know. Yeah. Uh, um and maybe we're we're thinking up barking up the wrong tree with this one.
2: So, well, there was a pro-con two letters to the Journal of Hospital Infection not that long ago. One from Mike Weinbrun and Teresa Inkster, who are heavily into the environment and water specialists, saying we should have specialisation in infection prevention, uh, and one from Peter Wilson and Leila Hale at um, UCL, saying we shouldn't. We should. We should not have subspecialisation. Mm. I, I have to say. I'm in the specialized in the subspecialization camp mm. because you, if you've got if you're working in a big teaching hospital and you've got a decent sized team, you're going to have somebody who's going to be focusing on surveillance, so they'll have expertise in that area. You may well have somebody who's focused on the environment. Leeds teaching hospitals used to have a, a chap called Gary Thurkle, who was employed by the estates department as an infection prevention person. Mm. So within the team, you are going to have a bit of that, but I think mm. it's, it'd be nicer to make it a little bit more focused and then you can get more specific and specialized training in that area mm. so if you're going to do ventilation maybe you go off and do some ventilation courses or some water mm. courses so that you you get a bit more of an understanding so that when you're having those discussions with your ventilation engineer you talk in the same language because often mm. you're not talking the same language yeah. in which case you might barriers might come up and you might think he's telling oh, that's never I'm happened wrong. before what are no. you talking about no.
1: so I, I think you know we've all we've also been this- I wouldn't say a bit down about this topic, but yeah. um, I think the other thing this is highlighted in, in having this chat is uh, all the things we've talked about. What a diverse profession that it is, that's and that's beauty, probably though, it? why it's so um, <laughs> exciting to be in it, enjoyable to be in it. Because we've talked about all kinds of stuff from um, like quarantine to um, you know to ventilation to cleaning to vascular devices, sterilisation, airports. airports,
2: yeah. yeah
1: childcare facilities, you yeah, know, centers, education. Yeah. I, I mean, it just goes on and on. But there's on, nothing
2: yeah. actually that goes on within a healthcare provider organisation that you don't have an interest in in mm. some way. So, therefore, how can you be an expert? In, an expert. In mm-hmm. all of it. You can't. I remember a guy mm-hmm. called Jonathan Plum many years ago saying he realized how much of an expert he was perceived to be in his organization when somebody rang him up to ask him how they could get rid of the parrot that landed in the tree outside the hospital because <laughs> they were worried about psittacosis. <laughs> so then he becomes a veterinary and bird expert as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know. But it's that sort of diversity yeah. of experience, which is a really good thing because you yeah. have to you know when you're balancing up risks actually having that broad knowledge of everything is really yeah. good because you're going to have to make decisions on the shades of grey that we've also mm-hmm. been chatting so, about yeah, it, that's you right. know it's your favourite film and book I understand that but, but you know it's, it's working out where the where the decisions can be but sometimes to make it that bit more dark grey to help you make the decision mm-hmm. or that bit paler grey you might need to get that expert oh, that's and,
1: true. well it's been an yeah. interesting chat gents <clears throat> and I uh, know I think it's time to <laughs> wrap this one up and yeah. uh, thanks everyone for listening to our little chinwag about well, that and uh, really interesting different views on it too yeah. and, and different perspectives on this and
2: maybe we'll reconvene about 11 o'clock tonight and see if the discussions yeah they may not make the uh, may uh, not may not not make a publication yeah. <laughs> good to see you both yeah, yeah you, you too. too guys
1: and uh, thanks everybody time. until next time cheers cheers cheers